Good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to Grace Community Church. My name is Doug, and I'm going to read the scripture from um, for this morning. It's from the uh, book of Luke, the uh, 15th chapter, verses 1 to 7. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Good morning. My name is Aaron, and in a minute you're going to hear a parable from Pastor John about the shepherd and the lost sheep. But before then, I'm here to give a brief story about myself and how I was once a lost sheep in my own life. Now, what you need to know about me, I've been coming to Grace here since I was about 12 or 13. I'm 25 now, so I've been coming here since about, you know, half of my life. Um, And ever since I began coming here, there's been a vibe about Grace that, that drew me in, kind of overly loving caring, accepting. Uh, It could just be the Krispy Kreme donuts, I'm not sure. But the point being is that I always felt welcomed here at Grace. And unfortunately, I got away from that as I got older and moved away to go off to college in Pittsburgh. And all you need to know about my time in college is that I enjoyed it a lot. (laughs) Too much uh, on some occasions, late nights, late parties, doing things that I I probably shouldn't have, have been doing. And this is kind of the time of my life that I like to call it, it was my journey through spiritual desert. Um, I started wandering off like a lost sheep, if you will. And kind of like a, a sex, drugs, and rock and roll uh, mindset, if you will. Um, but the, the funny thing is, is you know, I still considered myself a Christian, but I wasn't necessarily living that life. And I would still come home and, and visit from college, and, and people actually knew about my lifestyle and my choices, um, specifically Pastor John, Pastor Derek. Yet every time I would come home, not once was I judged, not once was I turned away, not once was I condemned. And the opposite, in fact, I was loved on even more, I was cared for even more, I was prayed for even more. It's pretty interesting. But flash forward uh, from this past year, um, I finally graduated from college, obtained my master's degree, and I had lined up the perfect job back home here in D.C. I moved back home. Uh, for me, life was perfect and on the upward trajectory. I had a, a job lined up, degrees what have you, everything that I felt like I needed and that I wanted in life, I had until one day when I received a call from the government agency that I had this job offer from saying that my clearance had been denied. And during the process, the background process, I had disclosed my ways, uh, my wild ways, if you will, and had been forthcoming and honest. And it had finally caught up with me, and my job offer was rescinded. And in an instant, the life that I had pictured myself having that I thought I was very close to obtaining was, was taken away from me in an instant. And I had a choice. Uh, I was at a, a very personal low. I was at a personal rock bottom, and I had a choice. I could go back and numb that pain, go back to my the old lifestyle that I had been so accustomed to, or I could give God a chance. I, I chose to return here to Grace this past May, and it wasn't easy. Uh, I was still 
searching, I was still wandering, I was still longing for something, that purpose, that need, that want in my life, um, that, that internal sarks that John has talked about for weeks. Uh, I was wrestling with that uh, for so long. And I finally reached out to Tom Begley, and he was gracious enough to place me on the Graceland Breakdown team here. And from something that I thought was so simple, it, it turned into something even bigger than I can even imagine. I found myself applying for a part-time internship with Pastor John. Um, before I knew it, I was doing that. Before I knew it, I was thrust into uh, a position here at Grace as a project manager role overseeing the new church reno- office renovations. Before I knew it, I was helping organize events here at Grace, like the Dale Davis event in the past couple weeks we've had. And before I knew it, I was leading the security team here at Grace Community Church. And before I knew it, I had been radically and spiritually transformed. God had literally transformed me physically, mentally, emotionally, And first and foremost, that glory goes to God. But secondly, that glory goes to the real movement that's happening here at Grace. John talks about the three C's of grace, Christ, community, and compassion. And Grace has those three C's in spades. Christ-like people here that form this Christ-like community that oozes that Christ-like compassion. And that's, that's not to say it still hasn't been a struggle. I've still struggled to try and find a job that I want and a permanent full-time job that, that I feel like I want and that, that I want to you know, continue to pursue my career, but I can stand here today and say without a doubt that, without a doubt in my mind, that God has me where he wants me to be, and he has me where I need to be. Uh, I have an inexplicable sense of peace and calm about my life and my situation, and I can admit that I'm no longer a lost sheep. Uh, I finally realized that God no longer works for me, but he works through me. And he especially works through this movement, this real movement that's happening here at Grace Community Church. Thank you. In Luke 15, we see, we see this all over the stories of Jesus Christ, but Jesus really brings it together in Luke chapter 15. He doesn't want to miss this. What is the community he's building? What is the church that he's trying to build? I will build my church, he says. What does that community look like? It is a very unique community. It's a community of faith unlike the world has ever seen. This is what we're going to talk about this morning and then Just so you know, we get to end the message. I'm going to invite you to help us together to build a Luke 15 type of faith community. Well, thanks, Aaron, so much for sharing uh, this morning. That was was excellent. I want to welcome everybody here today to Rethink Church. So glad you're here. And for those watching online, thank you so much for being a part of this series. Also want to just give a shout out to, I know we have a lot of people from Wisconsin, great win yesterday. If you can't be happy this time of year, I don't know what, I'm, what can we do to help you? I mean, this is, this is fantastic. And for you UVA fans, for the Cav fans, oh my gosh, that was very embarrassing yesterday. <laughs> I just, I felt, I felt so bad. I felt so bad. Okay. Uh, tax collectors and sinners. You see it in the beginning, Luke 15, that first two verses there. We, we, everything about those first two verses sets up these three powerful stories. Lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. It, it sets everything up, right? In those first two verses, he's with tax collectors and sinners. What is that? What is that? 
Those are common cultural labels for peoples whose beliefs and behaviors are clearly, they're obviously not in sync with the Bible, they're not in sync with Jesus, and yet Jesus here is incorporating them in. It says that he's eating with them. To eat with somebody 2,000 years ago was more than us just grabbing lunch. Hey, you want to grab lunch? Let's grab lunch. You want lunch? Let's have, it means, you know, it doesn't mean anything, right? It's just lunch. You're not getting married. You're not dating, right? It's just lunch. Not the case 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years like, I'm going to sit down here with you. I'm inviting you into my world. I'm inviting you into my community. So what is Jesus doing? He's taking people. This is fascinating. The religious leaders are dumbfounded. The world has never seen a faith community like this before. He's saying, I'm inviting you, even though you do not believe, and even though you do not be- behave and sync with what I believe and how I behave, I'm inviting you to be a part of this faith community. You don't have to believe to belong here. And we talk about that here. You don't have to believe to belong. Now, this is unheard of, everybody. If you have an organization, if you have a club, you have something, right? Let's just say you're an environmentalist, and, and, and you, you, you want to join this environmentalist club. You sit, you come, right? You sit before the panel. Panel, okay, before we accept you into membership, we have a few questions. Question number one, do you love the environment? No, hate the environment. <laughs> you recycle? Absolutely not. Matter of fact, every week, I go down to the Potomac River and I dump all my old chemicals and my oil that I change. I just dump it in the Potomac River, right? This is great. You're in, right? That doesn't make sense. The beliefs and behaviors don't match up. And yet he's saying, okay, let's go. Let's go. They can't figure it out. This is what's happening in Luke chapter 15. Jesus is making this so clear. And what's fascinating about this is we never once read that Jesus toned down his beliefs and behaviors to include them. He doesn't do that. Nowhere will you read in all of this that Jesus says, hey, live any way you want. I don't care. Just love you. Do whatever you want. You never read him saying that. He doesn't do that. He doesn't tone it down one bit. He doesn't say, I am one way. There are many paths. I am a part of the truth. I contain some life. He doesn't do that. He makes really hard statements, everybody. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And the people whose beliefs and behaviors were totally out of sync wanted love to be around them. People who weren't anything like Jesus really, really, really liked Jesus. Can you tell me why? What is this? He was surrounded with people whose beliefs and behaviors were out of sync with his and out of sync with the Bible, and they couldn't wait to get around Jesus Christ. And they weren't doing it, everybody, because he's the greatest show in town. It says specifically in these, they were gathering to hear him. They wanted to hear what he had to say. Isn't that fascinating? This morning in the United States of America, churches all across this great country, 95% of the people in churches who bear the name of Jesus Christ, 95% of them are all coming from one location. They're in. They're churched people. Their beliefs and their behaviors relatively match up with the Bible and Jesus Christ. They're, They're already convinced. And what is so weird about that statistic is you see Jesus Christ is surrounded by people who can't wait. And people today who are anti-church, like these people, anti they go to church? What, are you kidding me? I would never dream. And those same people can't wait to be around Jesus Christ. Can you explain that to me? How is that possible? I can only imagine it's one thing. 
because he never waters down, never tones down, makes it really clear. Everybody knows it. They can't wait to be around him. What could it be? Love. He genuinely loved. He genuinely loved. Loved them very. Matter of fact, Jesus says in John 13, these words, he says, if anyone, but by this, everyone will know that you are my disciple. Well, you're my follower. Here's how people are going to know it. You're my followers. By this, everybody's going to know that you're my disciples, my followers, if you love one another. Now, he didn't love them if they would change their beliefs and behaviors. He loved them while their beliefs and behaviors were totally out of sync with him. This is unheard of. How could he do it? He loved them while their beliefs and behaviors were actually anti him, against him. He loved them while they were learning to love Jesus Christ. It is absolutely amazing. His love for them was palpable, and he went searching for them. Here's these three stories. It's a search for people who, in the lost son's case, the last parable, we won't look at it today, but we'll look at it soon, who was absolutely rebellious. I can't wait to get away from the belief system of the Father and the Bible. I can't, I'm running with all my might, totally rebellious. And yet an all-out search for him, compelled by love, searching the horizon. When is he going to come home? Here in this case, the sheep, the sheep just carelessly wander away. It's the sheep's fault. Well, they made the decision. They should suffer the consequences, right? Their beliefs, their behaviors, their decisions is wrong. And yet we see here the good shepherd, man, he's climbing over mountains, crossing streams, cutting himself on rocks, all those things, all out search and all out search. What's the picture in your head? For somebody whose beliefs and behaviors are anti-Bible, anti-Jesus, is the picture in your head of God lovingly searching for them? Or is it, you're going to get them, God. Go get them. Light them up. Which picture? Which picture? Because the, the religious leaders... And here's what happens. Just be honest. Here's what history tells us. We need to be honest about history is that when we're a church person over a period of time, there is a tremendous pull towards becoming religious and being very much like one of these religious leaders and being like a Pharisee. There is tremendous pull. You either do that or you tone, you water down. You either, you either say, I'm going to change my beliefs so I can like work in with these people, right? Right? Either tone that belief down or you separate out, and that's what they did. And yet here he goes without changing his beliefs, without changing his behaviors, but he goes and reaches out. And, and, and the, thing, the thing all about it, the big difference is love. It's a big difference. I have talked to people numerous times, right? And they say, hey, you know, I'm not sure about, you know, what you're saying and what your beliefs are. So I said, yeah, okay. Let's talk about it. Here, here's what I do. They said, I need to know that you think that Jesus Christ is the only way. I said, Jesus Christ is the only way. Dude, does that clear? Yes. I need to know that you really believe in the I really believe in the Bible. I still got a problem with you. Well, what is it? You know what I finally have determined after all of these years of being a church for people who don't go to church? Take the love out. I need you to say it without love. I need this kind of mm, coming down. I have had so many of these conversations. Jesus is clear with his beliefs, clear with his behavior, but his love is palpable. He's searching and he makes this case for us. And Luke 15, that is absolutely 
Amazing. Aaron told his story, right, just a few minutes ago. All right? Aaron really enjoyed college. Right? Really enjoyed it a lot. A lot of college. Right? Aaron wasn't confused about our beliefs. Never once. Never confused about what we thought, belief leading to behavior. Never once. You can ask him. Get him after church. Ask him, were you confused? Were you thinking it's okay? He was never confused. Let me tell you something else he was never confused about. We loved him. We were in his corner. We were rooting for him. We wanted his best. We would listen. We would learn. We would talk. We would pray. We loved. There's the difference. There's the difference. And here's a group of people didn't like that. They changed. There's so many cases in scriptures of people radically changed. They changed because Jesus loved them towards changes. Now, those two verses spark three of the most amazing stories in all the Bible. Lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. First one is about a careless sheep. Careless little making decisions. Last one's about a rebellious son. We'll talk about the one in the middle at another time. All right? You're going to have to risk, and here's what I'm asking. Here's, here's the challenge I'm putting out for you. If you want to create a community like the community we see Jesus Christ creating here, it's going to have to be a movement, not an institution. Institutions, we talked about this last week, are all about, let's play it safe, man. Let's stay safe. Let's stay safe. Right? That's what they're about. You're about your members. You're about protecting your members, and you're about playing safe. Movements are, take a risk. Jesus is clearly taking a risk. He's clearly, clearly a movement. You're going to have to risk three things, the three, same three things that Jesus did. And it's the movement of Jesus Christ that is so transformative in our world. So here's the first thing you'd have to, you'd have to risk. If you'd like to fill things out on the back of that bulletin, you can write this word in. You have to risk your reputation because of love. Because of love, you're willing to risk your reputation. Now, we're told this, that the, the, the church people, the religious leaders, were told that they muttered. They were muttering. Love the word, mutter. Here's the thing about religious... Right? These guys knew the Bible. These guys, is, you would look up to them. I mean, their beliefs and their behaviors were spot on. In that day, you'd look... I mean, a lot of times we say, oh, yeah, those Pharisees, those leaders, we don't like those people. These are people that today we'd looked up and said, oh, man, I wish I could be like him. That's who they were back then, all right? And it says they muttered. Here's what you need to know. They would never gossip, right? They loved and respected the Bible too much to gossip. So they would never... Because the Bible says don't gossip. So what religious people do is they mutter, <laughs> right? It's It's different. It's out of holy concerns. Totally different, right? You get in the back and say, I don't know about this Jesus, man. Does he really still, does he believe the Bible? Is he, is he distancing? I think he's watering down. Remember the video we just watched? He's going secular on us. I don't know about this. It's not gossip. It's just you stand in the back and say, hey, man, what do you, what do you think about what the preacher said today? Mmm, mmm, I don't know. So they were very, very concerned. If Jesus really loved God, he would stay away from those people. He would stay away from those people because that's what they did. They did that. If they're walking down the street and they saw somebody, cultural term, sinner, tax collector, they saw somebody, they crossed the other side of the street because that's what you did. You had to make it clear to them and the rest of the world what your belief was. And Jesus didn't do that. If he really loved God, he'd stay away. If he really loved God, he would rebuke him. If he really loved God, he would never associate with him. He would make it clear where he stands. He'd condemn, rebuke, distance. He would do something other than what he is doing. Jesus put his reputation at risk 
for the lost sheep who made a careless decision. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Put his reputation at risk. Luke chapter 7 tells us something. It says that there's a person in the Scripture right, that's specifically called a drunkard and a glutton. All right? Audience participation. Who do you think is that person that the Bible says is a drunkard and a glutton? Who, who was called that? Anybody know? He's a drunkard and a glutton. Anyway. Jesus. Jesus Christ was called a drunkard and a glutton. You know why? Because he risked his reputation to be with people that nobody else would be with. And why would he do it? Because of love. And if you're going to follow Jesus Christ, like the Jesus we see in the Scripture, follow that movement to be that church, you will have to risk your reputation now, I won't belabor this point. i just give you a little window in. Anybody heard the fact that we're a church for people who don't go to church? Has anybody seen that anywhere? What, has it heard it? So, okay. All right. We're a church for people who don't go. I'm going to give you a guess. Who do you think is confused about that tagline or frustrated by it or concerned by it? Who do you think is? Right. Church people. Okay, church people. For the most part... Church people don't like. So I have people come to say to me, hey, yeah, I know what kind of church you are. I know what, yeah, you water it down, you know. You don't get into the meat of the word there. We know what you are. I've, take, I've, I've, I've had a lot, of, a, lot of Christian, a lot of pastors say that to me, all right? If you want to have a movement like the movement we see here, you're going to have to be willing to risk your reputation. Now, who does love it? Who loves that tagline? A church for people. Just take a guess. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. You're here. You do. Excellent. <laughs> people who don't go, to, don't go to church love that. People still come in. For, the, for, for 14 years now since we've had that tagline, people show up and say, hey, I'm here. I just want you to here. And you know why I'm here? I don't go to church. I've never been to church in my life. Ever, ever, ever been to church in my life. And I figured this is a place for me. I've been to church in 10 years. I figured this is a place for me to this day. Remember what I told you? 95% of the people in America, 95% of the people in America this morning, right, are all already bought in to this day. And I think a lot of ways, a lot of, we could point back to just simply that tagline, which has been very controversial for some people, right? 35% of the people in the room here this morning, according to studies that we've done here, self-classify as a non-churchgoer. But we've had to risk our reputation for it. Are you willing to risk your reputation? Are you willing to be seen as Jesus? That, oh, yeah, I know. I know you're kind, right? So what they said is, Jesus, you're lowering the bar. Jesus, you're watering it down. Jesus, you're making it too easy. What happens over a period of time, history tells you this. Everybody study the church for 2,000 years. History is very clear on this. On a period of time, if you're a church person, over a period of time, you're going to keep raising the bar and raising the bar and making it more and more difficult. Church history has been, been very clear on that. You want to raise it because once you're in, you're in. And then after a period of time, you want to feel special. And so you make it more difficult for other people to get It's like traffic. <laughs> right? You're in the lane. You know, somebody lets you merge in, but after a while, you don't want anybody else to merge in, right? I got my place. Come on now. Let somebody else let you in. So we raise the bar. It's human nature. Come on. It's just human nature. I wake up every no morning knowing this from history. I think it would be arrogant for me to say that I'm not going to become a Pharisee. So I, I figure the best way for me to keep from becoming a Pharisee is to know that I'm going, there's a strong gravitational pull 
for me to become like a religious leader or a Pharisee or begin to separate and try to raise the bar on other people. It's just history shows us that. You can read it all through church history. People ask me, you know, all the time for the past 14 years, I want to go on a, a, a mission trip, but I'm not there with my belief and other my behavior. Is it okay? I mean, would you be okay if I went to Mexico with you or Guatemala or Appalachia with you or can I serve? I'm like, what are you talking about? Absolutely. I mean, who? Of course, of course we would want, we'd want you to go. I'm going to tell you a story, something that has just shaped my thoughts, actually. I heard this story 20 years ago, and it just sticks with me, and it, then it, it kind of works its way into another story I want to tell you about something that happened to somebody here, okay? But many years ago, this guy, he's a Christian minister, and he was out, he was out in Hawaii, right? Hawaii is paradise. Anybody ever been to Hawaii? Well, I do too. <laughs> I, I, I want to go. I'm going to tell you right now, if I went there when I, I love to surf, if I went there when I was in high school, you would not see me on this stage right now. Uh, I guess I would have never gone back. Anyway, uh, that's another story. I was talking to you about this minister in Hawaii, I think. So uh, he's there. He's all jet lagged because you're all jet lagged out, right? Six hour difference. He can't, so he can't sleep. So he gets up in the morning. It's three o'clock in the morning. He can't sleep. So he's walking the streets of Honolulu. He finds a little greasy diner. There's nobody in it but the guy who owns it, who's working as a chef and his wife, who's like paying. All right. So he's there. It's really quiet. And in walk two prostitutes. And because it's so quiet, he can't help but hear them talking. And the one prostitute says to the other prostitute, tomorrow's my birthday. My birthday's tomorrow. And the other prostitute says, why are you telling me? What do I care? I don't care if it's your birthday. She said, I didn't expect you to care. I've never in my entire life had a birthday party. No one has ever, ever, ever thrown me a birthday party. And it was so sad that minister was listening. Oh, my gosh, it's so sad. So after, I don't know, 15 minutes, they left. And so uh, the Christian minister gets up and talks to the guy. He says, you know, I'm so, I couldn't help but overhear. Do they come in here every night? Every night. Every night they come in here. He said, I got an idea. Would you be okay with it? Could I throw her a birthday party? The guy's like, what? Yeah, you know, I'm going to get balloons and streamers and a birthday cake. The guy says, yes, you can do it, and I will make the cake for you. So the word goes out on the street, right? Who do you think shows up the next night? A bunch of prostitutes (laughs) and people who associate with prostitutes. So the place is packed, you know. Right? And the guy who owns the place, he's made this beautiful birthday cake and there's balloons and streamers and stuff all over the place. And she walks in with her friend and her mind is blown. She can't stop crying. Oh my gosh, no one's ever done this before. It just touched her heart. No one had ever loved her that way. They had a great time and finally they leave and they clean up. And so the Christian minister is getting ready to leave. And the guy looks at him and says, you know, who are you? I don't know, who, who are you? I didn't even see you before. He says, I'm a Christian minister. He said, what? <laughs> what kind of church? would throw a birthday party for a prostitute in the middle of the night in a greasy diner. He says, the kind of church I'm a part of throws parties for prostitutes in the middle of the night so they know the love of Jesus Christ. When I heard that, I said, yes. Yes, I want to be a part of that movement because of love. Now, something happened last week. We have somebody who's been attending here for a number of months, and they, they went to the Next Step lunch. If you've never been to a Next Step lunch, we have them about every six-ish weeks. Please come. We have a great time. And a story was shared by this person, and they told us that many years ago they, they, they made a friend. 
And the friend uh, that they made was very anti-church, very anti-God, very anti-Bible, didn't want any part of this, and yet they reached out to them in love. And this person's life was a very painful life, very, very painful life. Uh, And eventually this person ended up moving to Las Vegas. Eventually this person ended up becoming a prostitute. And yet the person who comes here said, I just kept reaching out in love to them. Like they were friends on Facebook. And so other people thought the person comes here. Well, obviously you must be a prostitute too because you're a friend with them too. So their reputation, right? They said they were just going to keep love. People, people, Christians would say, why are you continuing to be a friend with this person? They don't like God. They don't like the Bible and they're a prostitute. Other people are going to think you're a pro- Other people are going to think that you think that that is okay. I said, I don't care. I'm going to keep loving them. Just keep loving them. And so they did. Thursday, a week ago Thursday, uh, their friend uh, committed suicide by shooting herself. And it was a really painful thing, very painful thing, you know, devastated, you know, by this. They just had the funeral this past weekend. One of the things they would always share with each other, these two different women, were donuts. So when they got the news, right, that the friend had committed suicide and feeling so down about it. They had no idea that that Sunday they would walk through the doors of Grace Community Church with a greeting team and a special events team with hats on their head from Krispy Kreme and a bunch of donuts holding out to them saying, good morning, welcome to Grace, have a donut. Do you know, here's the deal, That made a profound spiritual impact on that person. That was like God saying, keep at it. You're on the right path. I am with you. I'm with you in a donut, in a Krispy Kreme donut. I am with you. And our team, right, people who said, I'm willing to serve on a team and volunteer at Grace, were able to make a profound impact on a lot of people, right, with donuts, but on this one person, a deeply spiritual impact. I want to invite you today to be a part of that Luke 15 community that we are trying to build and we can't do it without you. Are you willing to risk your reputation? Second thing is this. Risk your contentment because of love. Are you what? Jesus risked his contentment. So here's the deal with sheep. Everybody, we're called sheep. We're all sheep. This is not a compliment the Bible was giving us. I need you to know this. Sheep carelessly wander away. They see grass and they go. The grass over there, there go. It's on the side of a mountain. If you go eat that grass, you're going to fall off and die. Sheep do that all the time. We're sheep. We see grass, we go, right? We see instinct. Oh, that looks good. Boom, I'm going. That's what they do. And so here, here the good shepherd goes out risking his own life, taking his time when he could be back with the other 99, caring for the good sheep who didn't wander away. And he goes out and he gets sheep. And then it tells us this, and it says he puts the sheep on his shoulders and carries the sheep back. I mean, he doesn't say like, he's not whipping the sheep, right? He's not whipping. That's what I would do, right? Whipping has to whip. He puts the sheep on his shoulders. You know why? You know one reason why? Because the sheep would never come back. He's like, hey, Come on, sheepy, let's go home. The sheep would never do that. Right? I can do that to my dog some of the times, right? My dog will follow me home. That dumb, stupid dog, right? I don't want the dog to follow me home, but the dog will follow me home. I don't like my dog, okay? You know that. It's really my wife's dog, but okay? Problem with the dog. But even the dog will follow me. Actually, our dog looks like a sheep. But anyway, the dog will follow me. But the sheep who all of us are, the sheep all of us are, won't. 
has to put on his shoulder lovingly after he's traped and found. Now, what are the 99 doing? So the shepherd's, you know, given, given up all of his contentment. The 99 have to be willing to sacrifice that too. Don't you think that they're back in the sheep pen saying, what about me? What about me? One of the comments that I've heard the most, according to our tagline, that we're a church for people in a church, people look at me, church people look at me and say, what about me? I don't want this to always be about them wandering. What about me? Are you willing to give up your contentment? Are you willing to give up the focus on you? Because the shepherd is going out to find the wandering sheep. Here's another thing you need to know. We're all sheep means we all wander. We all wander, right? So you have to know this. It's them today, but it's going to be you tomorrow or the next day or somebody else. We're all going to wander. I love that great hymn. What does it say? Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I'm going to ask you, do you feel it? Do you feel that there are times that you wander? If you don't, you might be out of touch with the reality of God's word that we all wander. We all do. And so we can appreciate the good shepherd who climbs across hill and dale, who cuts his legs on rocks, searching for the lost wandering sheep while you're back in the fold, and you're okay with it. And why are you okay? You're okay because you love. You love because he first loved us. Second Corinthians 5 says, For Christ's love does what, everybody? What's that word? You can say it. What does it do? It compels us. Are you compelled by that love for lost and wandering sheep? Because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for who? Themselves. What about me? Forget them. You know, they made a dumb decision and they deserve to suffer the consequences of their decision. They're on the side of the hill getting ready to fall off and die. The dumb sheep, they deserve the consequences. And Jesus says, no, I love them too much. They carelessly wandered away, and I'm going to risk my life, my time, my contentment to go and find them. Last one. Risk your time because of love. It took so much time for the good shepherd to find them, and yet he goes and finds them patiently because of kindness and goodness and gentleness to bring them home, to gently bring them home. One of the things that's very difficult in all this, I use the word time here, right? Time, patience, patience. We run out of patience. The reality is for 16 years in this church, what I have seen that really hits hard on church people is we run out of patience. We run out of patience for people whose beliefs and behaviors do not sync up with our own, do not sync up with the Bible. We run out of patience. Like, you know what? Come on. I can't take this anymore. And Jesus doesn't do that. You think about this, everybody. He spends three years with his disciples teaching, teaching, patiently teaching, 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 teaching. He's crucified, raised from the dead. Shortly after, he meets two of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And they're like, we have no idea what's going on. He's like, I told you all this stuff. And then it says this, Luke 24, 27. And beginning with Moses, that's like Genesis, everybody. So this is a very, very long talk. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning themselves. So Jesus says, I want to show you where I am, starting in Genesis, and we're going to very slowly and patiently work things through. And you know what's difficult? I'm like, hey, man, let's get to the, remember the video? Let's get to the meat of the word. 
We don't need all this stuff. And yet Jesus takes his time to explain so patiently. He tells stories about farming and families and feasts. We call them parables. He tells all of these stories. He uses pop culture. He uses visual aids all the time. Right? He's got a little speck. He's got this big log beam one time. He's using all these visual aids so that people can understand. This is what Jesus Christ does. This is why at Grace we try to do the same thing. Now, Tom's going to come out. Tom's going to join me for a minute. We're going to have the ushers get ready. We're going to hand something to you. Then I'm going to tell you a couple quick stories and why we do what we do, and then we're all done, okay? So here he comes. Everybody say, hey, Tom. Hey, Tom. Good to see you. So uh, Tom is the volunteer coordinator here at uh, Arlington, and he's going to tell us about what that means. Take it away. All right. Uh, So I just want to tell you two quick uh, tidbits about volunteering at Grace, something you might not know about how we build community amongst our volunteer teams. Uh, The first thing is the VIP cafe. Uh, So we actually serve breakfast for our volunteers every Sunday morning. Uh, It gives them a chance to eat before they uh, serve for us. But more importantly, it gives them a chance to build community. You see, we run the VIP cafe like a cafe. There's a buffet of food, there's tables, there's chairs. We want people to have a chance to sit down, have a conversation with a friend, to meet somebody new, or even just sit quietly and eat breakfast and get ready for the day. And just so you know, the breakfast is awesome. Just so you know. (laughs) It it absolutely is. The second way uh, that we build community is by serving together. Uh, And a great example of this is with Formula 56. Formula 56 is our programming for 5th and 6th graders. A couple of weeks ago, the leadership of that group took the kids to play laser tag. So you have a a couple of adults and a ton of 5th and 6th graders playing laser tag. Everybody had a great time. But the adult leaders got to build community with each other. They got to play laser tag with each other. They got to have lunch with each other. Uh, It was huge in bonding them as a team, making friends, giving that smiling face on a Sunday morning. Um, just through serving together, taking their kids' laser tag. That's awesome. Okay, got three questions for Tom. Tom, question number one. How many volunteers do we currently have at Grace? We have about 450 volunteers across both locations. Okay, so between the two locations here in West Falls Church, we have about 450 volunteers. How many does it take at the two locations to do Sunday morning church? On a Sunday morning, it takes between 100 to 150 volunteers. Okay, so here's the thing. We know you can't. You know, I know you're sitting there thinking, you know, everybody else here has lots of um, free time in their life, and you're the one person who has no free time. When we completely understand that, we don't want to burden anybody. So you don't have to serve every week. You have to serve every other week. We make it work to your schedule, and we talk about the things that you like to do. Tom's excellent at that, and you should see him talk about that. Finally, how many more volunteers, in order for us to really build this community the way Christ wants us to, how many more do we actually need? Uh, We're looking for 120 volunteers. 120. 120 volunteers. So you're needed. What Tom and I are simply trying to say this morning is we feel very strongly that Christ wants us to build a Luke 15 faith community. It's utterly unique, and we can't do it by ourselves. If we want to do it and do it well, we need your help. Can everybody give a big applause, Tom? Okay, I'll be done in three minutes. You have a slip, you can turn them into the ushers, or you can turn them into Tom at the table in the lobby. Also, brunch. We're having brunch today. If you signed up to be on a volunteer team two weeks ago, if you signed up to be on a volunteer team last week 
or if you are signing up right now today, right downstairs, the moment this service is over, we have this fabulous brunch. We do these things because we love to get to know each other. If you have five minutes or you have 35 minutes, stop, come, have a biscuit with us, right? We have, these, we, we have, a, we have just a really, really great lunch. Help us build this community together. If you're watching online, there's a bit.ly link. If you're online, there's a bit.ly link. Sign up and wherever you are, if you're laying in bed, come out and have brunch with us. All right, let me close with this. Uh, when studies are done, they've been done constantly, and you ask people in America, what do you think when you think of church? Here are a couple things that are way at the top. It is unwelcoming and it is boring. It is unwelcoming and it is boring. Do you know why we have a parking team? You know why we're asking you, some of you, to be on our parking team? We feel pretty confident that you can park your own cars. Uh, some of you I've watched, okay, but for the most part, pretty good. And now that we got the little buttons, right, car parks itself, it's great. Can't wait for self-driving cars. Here's the thing. You know why we have a parking team? Because our parking, I say this to parking team all the time, the sermon starts in the parking lot. Sermon starts in the parking lot. People will make up their mind in the first seven minutes whether or not they feel welcomed and whether or not they're going to come back. First seven minutes. Seven minutes long before they ever hear me preach. And I can't tell you how much pressure that takes off of me. So it's our first impression team. It's the welcome. We had a couple visit church. They'd never been to church before in their life. So they heard we're a church. People don't go to church. So they came, right? We're church. So they came. They got out of their car. They stood up. They looked at each other across the roof and they look in their eyes and said, oh, what in the world are we doing? Let's go have brunch, right? They got ready to get in the car. And just at that moment, somebody walked across the lot and said, good morning. Big smile. Good morning. That's all it took. It was a warm welcome, right? Our greeters, thank goodness for our greeters that create such a welcoming atmosphere like they did, right? Last week, who are willing to do the donuts. and they create. So we have snacks, we have coffee, we have all these. We prepare this place. You know why we prepare it? The setup team comes in, they make sure everything's right. When you have guests to your home, do you not clean your home? We're having tables for 10 tonight. I know it's tables for eight, but we added two people. We're having tables for 10. And I, man, all day yesterday, what do we do? We prepared the house. Everybody should have somebody over to their place at least once every six weeks. You get things cleaned up. You'll find things, you'll find things you never knew where they were and you'll find them, right? It's awesome. Why is the setups team so important? Because if you are like Jesus, if guests are really important to you, then you will be a part of the production to make sure that everything is in order. Do you know why we have trash? You don't even know this. The trash cans out there, the two black ones there, we bought them. We bought them. The school had trash cans. The school had trash. We didn't buy trash. You know why we bought trash cans? Because one of the top 10 reasons why guests don't return to church is ugly, nasty trash cans. So we spent 35 bucks or whatever and we got a trash can, right? Now you'll, you're going to recognize the trash cans forever now, right? That's why we did it. That's why, right? That's why we take time to explain things and we tell stories and we do fun stuff because people say, I don't want to go to church because it's boring. So last week we had beach balls flying all over the place. And you know what? West Falls Church, here's, here's what I found out about West Falls Church. We stopped here and they like continued on for 30 seconds over there. It was, it was yeah. No, don't clap for them. It was terrible. Yeah. We, that's, we try to do that. We try, we try to do that. Why? Because we want to welcome churched and non-churched. Believers and non-believers, we're creating a community where you don't have to believe to belong. We are very clear about our beliefs like Jesus, but we're also very clear about the love that compels us. And what I'm asking you this morning, would you be willing 
to help us build a Luke 15 faith community that is utterly unique in the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for everybody here. I thank you, God, for the example you give us in the Scriptures. If we could just follow it, stir our hearts this morning and help us, Jesus, to be on the right path, the path that you laid out for us. Help us to be inspired by that path and to charge forward in you. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.